Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. It'll be on the wall behind me. This is what it says. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. What a beautiful promise right there, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. For you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Let's all say that together. No more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you. This is like a steak knife commercial right here in the scriptures, okay? Because God is saying, I'm going to pour out a blessing. I'm going to seriously bless you, the whole nation, put me to the test, see what I do. It's amazing. You're going to be blown away, blessed, and then it gets better. It's like a steak knife commercial, but there's more. Verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not Destroy the fruits of your soil, and the vine in your field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 12, then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. I want to preach a message this morning with this title, The Storehouse of God. Come on, write it down. If you're online with your notebook, write it down. The Storehouse of God from Malachi chapter 3. Let's pray. Let's lean into God's word. Let's really posture our hearts before the Lord. You know, when the preaching of the word happens at church, this is what you've got to do. You've got to posture your heart towards God and say, God, speak to me. Speak to me. Like, say something to me. I'm ready. I'm willing. I'm open. I'm available. And what happens is that moment, the posture of our hearts causes the Holy Spirit to come in and the Holy Spirit rushes into our lives and does this amazing thing called minister God's word to us. So as we pray, let's just have that posture. And online as well, we'd love for you to do that too. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word today. Thank you that it is the authority over our lives and we submit ourselves to it. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and minister seeds of faith, uh, breakthrough, Lord, um, changing mindsets, breaking strongholds through the power of your word. And Father, we thank you for everything you're doing in our church and through our church. Thank you that you've given us a storehouse right here. Father, we thank you for colonial kids this morning, the generations that call you blessed and the generations that are blessed because of your works and your deeds and your goodness and your grace. God, we thank you for everything you're doing in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. 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 Let it be so. Well, I'm excited about this message today because in this series, uh, Planet and Flourishing, this is season three for us as a church. This is actually the third time we've done this series. And it's a real core DNA message. If you missed last week, I really want to encourage you, go back and watch it. Go back and, and, you know, really... 
Even if you did, were here last week, you should watch it again because I believe it'll bless you to help you. And um, we can really line ourselves up to these series and really like be there as well. But last week we talked about the app and the Colonial app is, um, is really, really an amazing thing. It's our second generation of the app. Timmy, could I just grab a, a bottle of water? I just like, I had a sip of coffee before I got up here and now I'm struggling. Thank you. So last week was the app. App's awesome. Excited about it. But it was one thing I forgot to mention about the app last week, but it comes with also an Apple TV app. And so I don't know if you know that or not, but um, now you know, but you can download on Apple TV or I guess elsewhere. I don't know. I only have Apple TV. Roku, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Go check that out. Let me know. Um, but you can, you can watch Colonial on your Apple TV is basically what I'm trying to say. So there are two things. Apple TV, you can download it, and also on your phone. Um, but hey, wouldn't it be cool if we, instead of binge-watching Netflix, we could binge-watch church? We could watch whole series of church. We could play the worship songs that are on our YouTube channel, on our Apple TV, at home while we're doing all kinds of things. I don't know about you, but I get pretty excited about that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, so there you go. I wanted to make sure I mentioned that this week because um, I forgot last week to tell you about the Apple TV app, um, but that's great. So this week, I'm excited because we're going to be talking about the storehouse, and I don't know if has anyone seen the storehouse yet. Did anyone happen to catch it on the way in? Come on, wave your hand to me. Let me know. Did you see it? There's lots of people who haven't, so that's exciting because when you leave, I really want you to go through there and check it out, but it's in the lobby to the right, and we've created a space that now is a permanent installation for our house called the storehouse. And the idea behind it is that it would be a place where you can grow, connect, and build. And here's a picture of it. There it is right there. And uh, I don't know how, like, I'm just not that creative. But we have the most creative people in our church and our team that do this stuff. And uh, I don't know how the uh, Planet and Flourishing Wall came about. It looks like they went to the Amazon and they just, like, <laughs> cut some of it out and brought it back and put it on our wall. And, um, but this is the place where I'm excited about it because you're going to be able to go and be resourced, grow in your faith, in your journey, in your walk. It's going to be a place where as we, as a church, feel like there's resource we want to provide, that's where you'll get it. Um, it's going to be the place where you can sign up while you're here for, for different things. Uh, it's going to be a place where you can get information on things. It's going to be a place where um, you can connect with people um, is there going to be books available? We're going to have Bibles where you can buy. If you don't have a Bible, um, we've got Bibles in the storehouse that you can go and buy. Um, we've got uh, lots of great things in there. And I really want you to just spend some time in there when you leave today. Go and check it out. Um, grab a picture, you know, in front of the plant and flourishing wall. And um, I just think it's a really cool thing. But it's pretty cool because the app last week was our storehouse when we're not here, you know, on our phones. And then the storehouse literally is here when we are here. So there's two beautiful uh, opportunities, I believe, to be planted, to flourish, to grow. I don't know about you, it's pretty good, right? Pretty awesome. So there we go. Um, big shout out to our incredible team for putting this together. Come on, let's give our team an amazing thank you. <laughs> to, to come up with this stuff, it doesn't happen overnight. It really doesn't. It takes time, and our team is incredible, the way that they um, diligently work, and specifically Tommy and Meredith for putting this together and 
really leading the charge on that project. If you see them, give them a, give them a high five because they're incredible. So last week was the seed investor in the app. This week is the storehouse from Malachi 3. This passage of scripture is fully loaded, in my opinion. Fully loaded, so much packed in here that you could do a 12-week series on this particular chapter of the Bible. It's amazing. There's all kinds of things in here coming from God through his prophet uh, to his people. And in a sense, that's what still happens today for us, is that through the Word of God, God is still speaking. He's still actively messaging to His people. Isn't that cool? Yeah. That through this thing right here, and it's amazing how, we, how you know, we can sometimes, we're not careful, we're not read it, and not pick it up, but God is still speaking to us today through His Word. And that's what's happening here, is that in these times, God would use an individual. They would be, they would be called a messenger of Yahweh a person that God would assign and be, their, and be his mouthpiece. And that's who Malachi was. That's what Malachi's job was. But in this passage of Scripture in chapter 3, there's all kinds of things. Here's a few things. There's instruction. So God is instructing his people um, because people have been unfaithful to Yahweh. People have been getting off track in their walk and their, their relationship with him. There's rebuke in this passage of Scripture to his people. There's prophecy in this, in this passage. Um, there's even the refiner's fire. If you remember that series we did recently called Refiner, there's the refiner's fire. It makes the, the mention of refiner's fire is in this passage right here. It talks about the purification, how God will purify through the refiner's fire the sons of Levi, his children, to be able to appear before him. So it's really, really cool. It's a pretty, pretty awesome passage. But there's a part in here that talks about God being robbed. God being robbed. And when I read that for the first time, I thought, how, how is that? How can you rob God? I mean, how are you going to get one up on God? I mean, how are you going to sneak around and, and rob God? But it says that God is being robbed and that there's a requirement from God to, a requirement from God to his people to bring something into his storehouse called the tithe. And I believe that when it talks about robbing God, what God is saying is you're robbing me of my ability to bless you. You are robbing me of my ability to bless you because I can't when you, when you rob me like this. And so we're going to look at it today, but I'm excited. It says in verse 10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Bring the tithe, it says. Bring the holy portion that there may be food in my house. So what does this mean for us today? Well, the storehouse of God, God's house, and that's what the storehouse is. It's God's house because it says the storehouse, my house. This is what it means for us today, that when we do what God says, when we honor him with that holy portion, there is resource in God's storehouse. There is supply in his storehouse. Come on. There is blessing in the house. The storehouse is meant to attract anyone who is in need. Think about that when it comes to church. That's the storehouse of God. It is meant to attract anyone who needs anything. I pray that that would be Colonial Church. What do you need? Oh, I, need, I, need uh, I need a job. Cool. Be in church this Sunday. We'll pray for you. What else do you need? Oh, man, I just need, I need, like, I need Holy Spirit like, revelation in my life. Great. Come to church. Oh, man, I just need to, like, 
I need to get my life right with Jesus. Oh, great. Come to church. It's God's house. And here it says that his house can be resourced and be a blessing. Sustenance, supply, attractive to people. This is wise because when you understand God's supply, you understand this. It's better than any other supply out there. Anything else the world has got to offer, I want what God has for me. Not what this world has to offer. Look at what it says in Psalm 34, verse 8. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. I pray we'd be a people that run to the house of God, that run towards the supply, that, that are just attracted like there's this magnetic force of us. But when we, just, when we come before the Lord, when we come to church, it's just like, oh, man, this is God's house. It's too good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who find refuge in him. It's powerful. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But here's the cool part. Today, for you and for me, God uses us. He uses you. He uses me. Come on online. He uses you. Right where you're at. He wants to use you and he wants to use me to resource his house. For us to be in on this deal, to be part of salvation history. That God is outworking. But it starts with us today. God uses us to ensure that there is abundance in his house, that his church is fully stocked, that there is resource for growth, there is resource for vitality, there is nutrition, there is supply for healing, and a place ultimately for the lost to come home and to be welcomed home in Jesus' name. And I believe this message is core to our house, and that's why I'm preaching it today, part two of this message, because Last week was like, yeah, we've got to understand that God has, God has given us a seed. When we say yes to him, we're a seed. And the Bible talks about our lives as like trees. And these trees, they start off as seeds and they grow and become oaks of righteousness, like it says in Isaiah. And all of a sudden, we can find ourselves growing up in the house of the Lord, growing up in the things of God and being a blessing to other people. So that's us. That's you and that's me. And that's, that's our lives. That's our representation. But then there's the church. And there's the storehouse of God. And this is a fundamental message for us as a church. We believe that the reason, and this is, not, this is not me being arrogant, this is what God has done. We believe the reason that we've been able to do all that we have as a church so far is because so many people have got this revelation in our church. So many people have caught this revelation that... that, that that this is just too important. When it comes to the storehouse, when it comes to what God does through his house, we're blessed. Amen. Yesterday, uh, Jill and I, we celebrated a pretty cool day. It was our son, youngest son, Charlie's fifth birthday. Oh. And uh, if you see him around, give him a high five. He had a pretty good day. I was saying, you know, we were driving to church this morning. I mean, we went to the beach and then we went, you know, we were in the water pretty much all day and it was just like, awesome day. And I was just like, you know, if that was me when I was a kid, that would have been the best birthday for like 20 years. Like, it was his fifth birthday. But I was just reflecting on his, on, his, on his day, you know, and I'm just like, man, he's as old as our church. He was born when we began Colonial Church. And I sat back and I was just, I was just overtaken by the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God. Just thought about how awesome it is what God has done 
in such a short amount of time. But I believe it's because of this revelation right here. So point number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. God is first. Okay? God is first. I'd love it if you could write this thought down. Okay? And I want you to meditate on it. Maybe remember it when some big decisions come in your life. This is it. I'll never come second by putting God first. I have learned this principle so in so many areas of my life. When I wanted a successful career, I'll never come second when I put God first. When I wanted to have a family, I'll never come second when I put God first. When I wanted to have abundance financially, I'll never come second when I put God first. You line this principle up against anything in life, and I promise you, you will never come off second best. You will never be behind the eight eight ball. You will never be in a worse off position because you decided to honor God and put Him first in your life. Here's the caveat. It doesn't mean that it's easy. I'm going to preach the truth this morning. It doesn't mean that it's easy. Oftentimes it's not. But once we get a few runs on the board, come on church, once we get a few runs on the board, our faith begins to grow. We get a little bit of steel in our faith and we begin to understand, man, this, this is the only way I can live. In fact, if I go the other way, there's turmoil, there's, there's fractured relationship, there's, there's, there's rupture in my finances. Man, I have to put God first because God is first. This is what Malachi was trying to And God was trying to say through his prophet today, here's the truth. God is first, even if he isn't first in your life. I want you to think about that for a moment. Even if God isn't first in your life in that relationship, he's still first. Even if God isn't first in your finances, listen to me, friend, he's still first. It's not as though that we have to like... uh, you know, position God appropriately, you know, when you think about it, although we need to do that, we need to prioritize things, but God is already first. So all I have to do is understand, wow, God is first, and I just position myself right up next to him a second. God, you're first, I'm second, and in the whole scheme of things, I'm pretty happy with that situation, because God is first, even if I'm not putting him first. He is still first. This is a powerful revelation for a believer to to get and to understand. And this promise and this this blessing can be activated in our life for all who call upon our name. If we just could get the revelation that God is first, there could be this, I believe, a holy reprioritization in our lives of putting God in the correct order in our lives, giving Him pole position. When we do that, this is what happens. Blessing begins to flow. Abundance begins to come in. I believe the most sincere form of joy starts to flood into our lives as a result of your obedience and decision to put God where He rightfully already is. But a valid question you could ask today is, you say God is first, but but where do I start? How does it begin? Like, what do you, is this just about money? You know, Somehow we've allowed whole generations to get freaked out in church about a preacher talking about money. I'm not part of that generation, by the way. So there you go. I have no problem talking about this because it's all about your heart. And that's where it begins. 
It, I believe this begins in your heart. And then it flows into your finances. And then it flows into everywhere else in your life. There's just something about God's position in your finances, though, that tells you where God is positioned in your heart. I'm going to say that again. There is just something about where God's position is in your finances that tells you where God is truly positioned in your heart. You can be sitting there, well, you know, that sounds very Old Testament, Pastor. I'm glad you asked. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus speaking. And he says this, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store up treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, they're the desires of your heart will also be. See, this is biblical. This is confronting truth. Remember a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how truth is confronting from John chapter 6. When Jesus comes up to people, it makes them confront the choice. Isn't it interesting that money is also confronting to people? Isn't it interesting that when we get maybe off track a little bit, the money becomes a contentious topic? Jesus is making the link right here for us. He says in verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So what is the solution this morning? Put God first. Come on, church. I'm preaching the truth this morning. Put God first. Because when we put God first, this is what we do. We take what He has already given us. He has already allowed it to come into our life, which is the increase, which is the income. And we put it under total submission to God. And then it becomes God's job. I don't know about you, but I want that pressure off on my life. The moment that I take it from being cursed and then it is blessed, it's like God's like, I'll take care of it. You chose to honor me. You chose to trust me. I'll take care of you. And I've seen God do this over and over and over again in my life. There was a time actually even in our marriage early on where we didn't tithe for a season and I'll never do it again. I will will never subject my family to that kind of exposure to the enemy. I just won't do it. Number one, God is first. Number two, come on, write it down. He demands the first, which is the best. He demands the first, which is the best. And you may not know this, but you'll know today. But God actually demands the first because that part is his. This is called the priority of God, the preeminence of God. This is being Colossians. We'll get to it in a minute. But in Exodus 13, God issues a decree to his people through Moses. And he says this. He says, whatever is first, you can put it on the screen. The Lord said to Moses, whatever is first. To open the womb of man and of beast is mine. Now, when you read the language, the Hebrew language, this is emphatic language. This is like, like, this is my property. This belongs to me. And I got thinking about it. I was thinking of like an analogy. And I was like, you know, it'd be kind of like if I got with God and I said, hey, can I borrow your car? Okay, and I, I think you'd all agree God would... I have a pretty sweet ride. (laughs) 
Like, it'd be legit. Like, it'd be sweet. But I borrow God. I say, I go to God. I'm like, hey, God, I got some errands to run. Got some things I got to do. Got to go to Marshall's, Target, you know. It's a busy day. Chick-fil-A, maybe, if we have time. But I borrow God's car, grab his keys, and I'm, I'm off for the day. Running my errands, doing my thing, you know, going through the, you know, maybe take it through the, sh- the car wash on the way back, so, you know, give it back to God in good condition. Everything's sweet. Give it back to him, like, while I'm out there, I'm having a moment, I'm thinking about things, and I get back to give the keys back to God, and imagine if I said this to God. Hey, Lord, thanks for the car. Appreciate that. You know what? Today, Jill and I were praying to you. And we really feel like we want to give you this car. I'm going to give it to you. Rightfully, God would laugh at me. Because how can I give to God what is already His? That's exactly what we do when we don't understand the revelation here. When we don't understand what God is saying here. It's, it's already His. You notice in Malachi chapter 3, it doesn't say, give the tithe. It says, bring the tithe. In our church, we don't, we, we take up an offering because this is already, it's God's stuff. We're just returning it to him. He demands the first, which is the best, but he demands it because it's already his. It belongs to him. It's what we believe as a church, that the way we could rob God is by taking what's already his. And this is why God is so kind and so awesome and so amazing, is he says, just give me the first part, the first 10%. He just says, just give me the first 10%, and then you can do whatever you want with the rest. That's for your calling, that's for your family, that's for your, that's for your future, that's, that's for you to take care of. And God also blesses us with this amazing thing called stewardship that we have in his word. So we can actually do well with that as well. And God blesses supernatural stewardship. I've done series on it before called Manager. You should go back and look, go back and watch. But God just says, just give me what's mine. Then I'll bless you. Then I'll protect you. Then I'll set you up. But it's powerful when we understand that God is first, and all he's looking for is that, because this is what it takes for the first to be given back to God. It takes faith. I don't know if you've thought about this, but if, you, if, you're, if, you, if you're coming up to harvest time, to give the first portion, that hurts a little bit. You ever notice that with tithing? It just hurts a little bit. Do you know that's exactly what's meant to happen? Because it takes faith. And faith means fully persuaded trust that God will keep providing, that God will keep showing up, that God will show up and take care of all that I need. And when I choose to put him first, this is what he does. He says this in Malachi 3. It's the only place in the Bible where God says, thereby put me to the test. So God is saying to you today, and he's saying to me today, try me out. I want you to try me out. God is inviting us. The God of heaven, the creator of all things, heaven and earth. He owns a thousand, the cattle on a thousand hills. That same God is saying to you personally today, come on, try me out. 
It's almost like as a father to his son, he's like, I want to show off. I want to show you what I can do for you. I want to show you what I can put in your future. I want to show you the blessing that I can pour into your life. Would you let me today and tomorrow and every day in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. So number one, God is first, even if he's not first in your life, but he can be today. Number two, that God demands the holy portion, the first, which is the best. He demands it. It's his. We return it. And when we do, amazing things take place. And number three, I want you to think about this this morning as we finish up. Jesus is God's very best given to us. Jesus is God's best given to us. He was given to us, right? The most well-known scripture in the Bible. You know the one that Tim Tebow wrote? (laughs) That is not true, okay? Just not true. But he was given to us. What does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that Anyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave Jesus to us. God gave the very best of heaven to you personally. I just want you to think about that for a moment. In our world, in our society, the way kind of religion tries to present to us that we can sometimes think that Jesus was kind of like this gift to the world or maybe a country or or whatever. And that's true. It says to the world, but you know what also? He, He was given to you. He was given to you personally. Your life matters to God. Your walk, your your journey, your your whole world. Yes, he was given to the world, but I just want to throw something at you today. What if Jesus was given to your world? For God so loved your world, your family, your children, your prospects, your future, your struggles, your everything, the King of heaven, the very best of what heaven had was given to you. Let me show it to you. It's in Colossians 1 and verse 15. I pray people get this revelation today. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. And through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Verse 18, Christ is also the head of the church, which is the body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. Look at this. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood 
on the cross. So why ultimately is the storehouse of God so vital? Why is the storehouse worth preaching a 30-minute message about? And so much more. Because the storehouse is what Jesus leads. This Jesus that we read about in Colossians 1, the visible image of the invisible God, the one who's first of all creation, firstborn of all creation, first fruits, the first. He's the one who is head over the storehouse. He's the one who's head of the church. This storehouse, I don't know if you know this or not, but Colonial Church, it's not me, it's not my church. Even though I go here, I love coming here. I really do. But this is God's church. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the storehouse is His. It's His storehouse. And it's His choice what He wants to do with it. It's His storehouse to use whatever's in the storehouse. It's His storehouse to bless His people. It's His storehouse to heal His people, to supply His people. This is His church. And I pray we would be a people that understand the benefit of God's storehouse, His house, and a people committed to being planted and putting God first in our lives. Would you stand with me? Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.